1: Yo! Hey guys, welcome to Let's Talk About Sex. I'm Jamie and on today's episode I'm going to be chatting to Miss Marilyn about the question Is sex addiction real? Now, there's been a bunch of posts that have been out there in the world that uh, I get linked to quite often because, as you know, I talk about sex fiction a lot and my kind of experience with it. Um, Yeah, and Marilyn kind of has a load of experience there as well, a lot of thoughts on it. So I really wanted to chat to her about it, and I did. And I'm very happy to now give it to you guys in an episode. Um, I'm also chatting to my good friend Lydia about a fivesome that I had that sounds a lot more fun than it actually was. Uh, You'll find out all about that uh, in the episode later on. Hope you enjoy it. Please let us know if you did on the Instagram, on Twitter, and leave us a review. Recommend the podcast to a friend. It all really helps loads. And yeah, hopefully see you soon. Love you. Bye.
0: Hello, Marilyn. Hello, Jamie. How are you doing today?
2: I'm okay. How are you?
0: Good. Good, thanks. We've just talked about how I'm getting over COVID. Um, <laughs> so I won't bore you with more of that. But yeah, I feel good, which, is, which feels really good to say. It's the first time I felt good in like 10 days. Um, so yeah, really excited to chat to you. Um, so a mutual friend of ours said that we should speak about sex addiction and yes. our experiences with it. So do you want to quickly fill us in on uh, yeah, where you are with it?
2: Um, So basically I kind of realised that sex was a problem for me when I was very young. I just couldn't really control myself um, when it came to I I was just absolutely obsessed with having sex Um, Mm. so my relationships would kind of go south because they weren't able to fuck me enough basically and it it was kind of It was kind of happening over and over again, but I realised it wasn't a, you know, it wasn't just like a a, a kind of funny argument. It was very, like, I I would get violent. I would get really frustrated. I would have panic attacks and stuff. Mm. um, And I would go and seek out... things that I things that I wouldn't have kind of earlier on or just when I was in a good state of mind in Um, terms of
0: like more extreme sex you mean
2: yeah yeah and I think that's kind of where I first started getting into BDSM actually was because I Mm. met an older man um who kind of had struggles of his own with sex addiction or you know compulsive sexual behavior and um he it was very much trying to push it to the extreme so you could get the same kick of it kick out of it as before Mm. Uh, which obviously is very hard if you're doing it quite a lot. And then, so I went to I, I realized I got chlamydia from a guy. Basically, I knew I was I knew I was going to get an STI from this guy. He was very famously promiscuous. I'd heard a yeah. lot about him kind of passing STIs to people. Yeah. Um. I I had sex with him anyway because I very much felt like I needed to at the time. Um, right. Okay. And in like
0: in the moment or like like is in any in, in the immediate moment or sort so basically of
2: basically what, what happened was i was kind of desperate to fuck someone and i couldn't i couldn't find anyone that i had fucked before which um and then he kind of just popped up out of nowhere and i thought Do you know what i know i'm going to get i know i'm going to get something but i'm going to fuck him anyway and then mm. basically i got chlamydia um mm. and then realized oh actually this was probably quite a problem then because i knew that that was going to fucking happen and that's yeah. my
0: Wow. So that's, that's like, I feel like with most people that I speak to about this, they have that moment of like the kind of awakening of like, oh shit, I really should have done that. Um, yeah. so that, that sounds like that was yours, right?
2: Yeah. A hundred percent. Um, so I basically, I got medicated for a chlamydia and had a chat to the doctor while I was getting the azithromycin and she kind of said, look, go on to Sex Addicts Anonymous, um, and see, you know, if there's any support groups. So I did, there was a, there was a questionnaire on the site at the time when I was 19. I did it. And it became very clear to me while I was doing it that uh, there was something happening with me going on. Um, whether you class it as addiction, whether it's a hypersexual disorder, or call it compulsive sexual behavior, regardless, it was something that I was having a massive hard time controlling within mm. myself. Yeah.
0: Um,
2: so I went to a meeting, Sex Addicts Anonymous. There was like eight men there, and they were all old, and it was just really a weird situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I kind of put it on the back burner for years, and had terrible relationships, kept fucking people I shouldn't, cheating, and just being terrible. Caught SCIs again, um, and then it was only when I kind of I, I was in a long term relationship, cheated on him, um, but very much was at the point where. I knew that I couldn't keep doing this with my life Um, because obviously when, when you hurt people, you can't just keep hurting people. As I say in the book, you know, being a cunt isn't sustainable from the (laughs) full call. There kind of has to be that turning point. So I, I basically just wanted to, create that turning point for myself so I went back to the meetings um and there was loads more people there there was other women there and it was a lot better than when I was 19 and obviously I, I had another 10 years experience like right
0: um
2: so started going there for three months but it was very I don't know if you've ever been to like a AA meeting or anything like that no. um but you need to do a lot of outreach and that basically means you need to talk from other two other addicts or people that are in the in the programme every day mm. um, and I I'm not an antisocial person but I very much I like to retreat into myself quite a lot so having you know phoning two other people every single day and having a long conversation with them is genuinely my worst nightmare so I didn't I didn't do that for three months. And then I kind of had a really bad time at the end of winter last year. Started doing the online Zoom meetings, which they'd set up obviously because they couldn't do the physical ones. Um, started doing the outreach and it, it did help. Um, but again, I just kind of slid back into those kind of toxic behaviours. I, I think the main thing that's changed for me now is I'm really open about it with my friends and my partner and my parents as well. So I know for a fact that when I do start doing it, I can openly talk about it. Whereas before I just kind of kept it all to myself, yeah. and just kind of went further into it to try and ignore it almost. Whereas now I say to people, you know, this is happening with me. Please keep an eye on it or just kind of watch for what I'm doing. And I'm I'm very, very aware of it now. And I'm in no way, you know, I don't suffer from it as much as I did but it does come up you know I, I, re- I still struggle with it from time to time and it's it's not great
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah okay so there's a lot there's a lot that really want to you about there actually that you mentioned yeah. so so quickly the the quiz that you did it sound like at 19 uh yes. it gave you a label right which felt like did that feel empowering to, to sort of have like oh this is my problem it's this
2: um no but I will say when I started going to the meetings just before the pandemic mm. it was very i think i think when you have a when you have a problem um even if it can't be you know classes on addiction i think when you're struggling to control yourself in in regards to anything to be in a group with people who are very much saying that you know it's not your fault that this is happening
0: right yeah if
2: you, if you hear that enough you do kind of think oh well maybe it's not just because I'm a massive arsehole then <laughs>
0: yeah
2: um I will admit like I wanted to believe that it was or is an addiction because it does kind of shift some of that blame um, mm,
0: in the sense yeah. that I
2: I have always felt like it's something I can't control but I still believed within myself that if I really wanted to I could just stop doing it but that's, yeah. just, not, that's just not the case and I think People feel like that about a range of things. You know, I know some of my friends are drug addicts, um, narcotics and stuff like that. And Mm -hmm. I've got an uncle who was a gambling addict. And it's very much the same, you know, you believe at every point. You could stop it if you really wanted to. So you kind of just end up believing that you're actually just a really weak person who can't say no to these experiences. Yeah, yeah. Um, And instead, it is nice for someone to say, actually, do you know what? It's maybe not all your fault.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And you
2: yeah, think, like, yeah. oh, maybe it's not.
0: <laughs> you yeah, know?
2: yeah. Uh, which, is, which is very comforting. I wouldn't say empowering, but it is very comforting to think that, you Okay,
0: know. yeah. That's interesting, yeah. No, actually, previously I would have said that the label, when I, when I was diagnosed with sex addict, you know, air quotes, um, the label was empowering. But no, I think you, what you said that makes more sense, I see it was comforting. Yeah, it wasn't empowering at all. <laughs> it was like, you have a problem. That's not empowering. It was like, yeah. you know, it's not your fault. Yeah, totally. Okay. It was kind of, it, and it gives you something to work on, I think um so now i think you mentioned briefly before the call that like, we've both we've both had a bit of backlash about this stuff like talk, talking about um you know it being an addiction you know basically there's a big there's a big thing in the in the kind of sexual health mental health community that uh sex orgasms affection love is not addictive there's nothing about them that is clinically addictive, um, but you can develop unhealthy behaviors towards them. So like you mentioned, compulsive sexual behavior disorder is, is actually what uh, a, air quotes, sexual addiction is. Um, so yeah, and I kind of had, I've had heated debates, uh, quite horrible triggering debates with some horrible people. Uh, Out there About this
2: well that was That was me last week I was so upset It was awful Yeah Yeah
0: Yeah, right Yeah so I, I actually Asked them to come on the podcast And it was the most Horrific half an hour Of my life Because they just Shouted at me For half an hour About how Yeah how this isn't An addiction And you know um, and a lot of sort of the the things that I've identified with over the years are irrelevant and you know not they don't count for anything, which is <laughs> bullshit. I've now nice learned. But, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah, so basically, there's a lot of there's a lot of anger wow. in that community about this being treated as an addiction. And Sex and Love Addicts Anonymous comes up a lot in that actually. So mm-hmm. SLA, which um, it's basically like what you expect from um, Alcoholics Anonymous, right? And, and drug addicts anonymous. Uh, you, it's th- those kinds of setups. You know, it's a group thing. There's, there are sobriety contracts. Um, and you, yeah, you have, uh, sponsors and stuff like that. And yeah, then the idea is that, you know, we're going to deal with this as an addiction. Now there's a lot of problems with that because it's clinically, medically speaking, it's not an addiction and addiction therapy isn't recommended for something like sex addiction. And it comes with, uh, all kinds of like shame, which I didn't necessarily agree with, but that, maybe that's because of what the conversation we just had where like, when I, when I was told like your problem with sex is. Is an addiction. I was like, cool, that's really good to know. But um, a lot of people take that diagnosis and they're very ashamed of it. Um, or they think that they are addicted to wanking. You see a lot of that. Um, yeah. on, on Reddit, in particular, there's a whole um, subreddit dedicated to how to stop your wanking addiction, which, which isn't a thing, you know, it's kind of it's generating shame. Um, yeah, what we do have is, is, as you mentioned right at the start, um, yeah, a compulsive behavior towards sex, and we feel like we seek it out. But it's very much a. Um, it's just, I see it as like a secondary thing. You know, if we're insecure in other aspects of our life, we seek our validation from others through sex. That was that was my case anyway. Um, yeah. Do you feel sort of like that resonates with you, or?
2: I think um, obviously, you know, it's it's not a medically recognized thing. However, I I am very much of the opinion that it's it's not necessarily because it isn't a thing. There's been so much research done, especially by Doctor Kafka, and one of the one of the very kind of big arguments that a lot of kind of medical professionals who do believe it is an addiction mm. um use is basically they, they did an experiment and it was they put people who identified as sex addicts in front of pornography mm. um and three areas of their brain lit up and it mm. was the ventral uh, striatum the dorsal anterior cigula and the amygdala and they put the pornography in front of kinda of, I don't I don't mean to use the word normal as in because <laughs> you are abnormal yeah. but just kind of people yeah. who didn't uh, who didn't identify as sex addicts in front of the pornography and they they were aroused by it but mm. these three bits in the brain didn't light up. Mm. However, the three parts in the brain that did light up for these sex addicts also Light up in drug addicts when you show drug addicts ah, okay, yeah. any stimuli um, regarding their addiction. And the thing is, obviously, that's not conclusive evidence that sex addiction is real. Um, and you know, there, there's so much more research to be done. But I think, regardless of, I think the, the the big thing is a lot of people don't like using the term sex addiction. But I I have no issue changing my language to make people feel comfortable. I have no issue, you know, saying it's not a medically recognised thing. Um, and as you said, a lot of it does start as depression for people, shame, anxiety. Mm-hmm. Usually it's one of those that are kind of the catalysts that kind of start um, a slide into sexual addiction or compulsive behavior around sex. Yeah. Um, and I just I just think, you know, when people say that it's not real, I am happy to say, use different words for that. I'm happy to say compulsive sexual behavior. I'm happy to say hypersexual disorder. But I feel when people say it's not real, it's very damaging. Yes, and I think that's, 100%, what, yeah. that's what they were saying to me. They were they kinda came back to me and said that I had damaged the sex work community beyond repair because I had come out and said, look, sex addiction is a real thing. Yeah. Whereas that whereas actually I wasn't necessarily saying sex addiction is a literal addiction. I was saying, you know, a lot of people really fucking struggle. To limit themselves to their sexual yeah. experiences and get themselves in a lot of trouble. It can be physically, mentally, financially, even. Um, and I think to say it's not a thing, regardless of what language you're using, it's just fucking horrible. Yeah,
0: exactly. No, I I completely agree. And this was the argument that I had with this with this person was, you know. You know, like medically speaking, if someone comes to you and they think they've got a sex addiction, and like, you know, the counselors, the doctors, the people that would get help for you, they know that, you know, okay, sex addiction isn't a thing. We're not going to give them like addiction therapy, but we are going to give them this therapy. We're going to give, you know, talking therapy or CBT to help them deal with it. That's cool. On your side of things, yeah, use whatever words you want. And you are the qualified professionals and you should do that. But colloquially, you know, if people say, I'm addicted to something, you know, it could be sex, it could be crisps you know, it's, it's like a colloquial term and it, and it has power behind it. And if someone, you know, has, I I think if someone has the courage to say out loud, I'm a sex addict, um, don't worry about the terminology, like let's worry about how to help them, you know?
2: I think the main thing the main thing that was the issue for me and I'm not good at debating online I could I could have a debate face to face but I get really emotional online because I just <laughs> I, because I have such a big platform as well I, I really worry about what I am saying. So yeah you know I think the main thing for me I, I mean it's like what you just said someone could come and say they're addicted to crisps as you said. <laughs> and I mean who who am I to say that's not a thing? Because I have not lived their experience. Mm. So basically everybody that says to someone you know I'm addicted to this and someone replies no you're not who the fuck are you yeah, say that. Yeah, you don't yeah, have yeah. a fucking clue about it this is exactly yeah
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah that's exactly the problem I had and the tweets that were sent to me by these people that were that were shouting about it um that they, they were started with sex addiction is not real um and people sent them to me, me for a reason say
2: that? how can you say that for every single person in the world I mean it's like yeah. me saying, you know you break your leg and I say oh it doesn't hurt
0: <laughs> yeah, I, don't yeah. I broke my leg and it didn't hurt that much so like get over it yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly i i just think it's 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 clickbaity. um and we had this debate i spoke to two people two professionals that spoke about this and one of them was 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 beautiful Best and elegant <laughs> but one of the one of them literally wrote a book on it and it's going to be on the podcast and i can't wait it was a really nice debate about about this and i learned a lot and you know I talked about what I just said to you. You know the impact of using a label and how sometimes they're useful and they help people. You know find themselves and you know label their struggles, which I think is really important. And they agreed. And then there was another professional where it went horrifically and it was horrible and it made me really sad for weeks. Uh, So that won't be going out there. But yeah, like I, I think that yeah, exactly what you're saying. Who are you to just say blanket term this thing isn't real because people are identifying to that medically speaking, if it's not real, cool. You're the medical professional. You know you're the person helping these people then you know, you know, it's not an addiction. So you know that SLAR might not be the thing for them. But SLAR is still helping a bunch of people, right? Of course. Um, yeah, it's still, I mean...
2: You know, it's still, something that, it's still something that people do compulsively that they need help for. So it may not be a medical addiction, but it's still an issue. So it doesn't really matter. I think, help. Well, yeah. The main thing that I found with people talking about this is I believe regardless of what your stance is on anything, you as a human being should be open to hearing someone else's side of it. Um, and you know, ready to change your language, ready to change your mind if you are presented with evidence that you know it changes your mind. Whereas I have found the conversations that I have surrounding this is with people who are completely closed minded and just very, yeah. very, very patronizing. Yeah, I am. If someone presents me with something that says, you know, sex addiction is not real, you're just a weak little bitch, I'd be like, Do you know what? <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> you've shown me i've changed my mind completely and people who are not open to changing their mind um frankly in my opinion shouldn't be talking about anything
0: yeah i agree i agree completely and i think that i was i was disappointed you know to hit to see kind of um you know sex and life coach professionals not having that kind of quality to them you know uh yes they are informed and they might know what the medical you know the right medical path is for someone but they need to yeah, appreciate, you know, where people have come up, come to them, you know, from the, the kind of journey of like, OK, well, I identify with this thing. And that's why I'm now talking to you. That's why I'm now paying you to help me, because I, I've heard this term sex addiction and I want to get, you know, want to get it worked on.
2: The issue is if, if someone if someone took this to the sex and life coach that you're talking about, you know, and I, I kind of went to whoever it was and said, look, I'm really struggling with this. Are they mm-hmm. just going to turn around and tell me that I'm not? Yeah. because
0: it's not real <laughs> yeah yeah well that was the thing I, I i was coming at it from an angle of well i've identified this for three years and here's the progress i've made and she was kind of just breaking it down <laughs> like, yeah you shouldn't feel this way about this um yeah it was really bad but we shouldn't judge off of yeah one bad uh, podcast interview maybe it was a bad day um but yeah the, the overall term of like yeah sex addiction i, I mean to, i won't go into too much detail but with my journey it ended up being we were calling it a sex addiction the whole time and then a year in it turned out it was just like a, it's just a massive insecurity and I was just doing it for validation so that's the actual issue you know I wasn't addicted to anything I just found something that made me feel happy yeah, and yeah. then I had to work on that and then it was years of talking about it and dealing with that insecurity so I don't give a fuck what it was called like I, I found the yeah, answer. it was still right. something
2: that you needed to work on and that's the most important thing yeah, yeah
0: exactly and I, I'm healthier because of it so yeah call it whatever the fuck you want I think anyway um, I think we probably agree we're just shouting at each other agreements. <laughs>
2: No, <laughs> well, I definitely agree. Yeah, call it, honestly, call it whatever you want. It's your experience. It doesn't. It does not fucking matter. Yeah.
1: Hello, everyone. It's me, Jamie, and I've got an important announcement to make. All right. This podcast is now sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, anyone who's been listening to the podcast for the last however long it's been knows that I've been shouting about this company for years, since day one. One of our first episodes was a counseling session with me and my counselor from BetterHelp um, and I've been on it for years now probably like come out to like 4 years I think maybe 5 years I've been on it um getting counseling um on a weekly basis and I love it um and yeah it's really it's really nice it's a bit like tinder for therapists you you put in like your problems <laughs> the things that you want to talk to someone about and then it comes up all these different counselors who um, specialize in that area and you can kind of read a little bio and like read their reviews and stuff and pick which ones for you that's really cool I've gone through like probably probably about like 14 counselors in my time on BetterHelp for me living in london especially um i think this is the same for like most major cities out there therapy in-person therapy is really expensive um this gives you that but you know uh, the kind of whenever you want to do it it's all online and you can do like you know video voice or text chat um and it's way cheaper than seeing someone in person so um yeah it's actual proper like therapy uh, online securely online um yeah i send messages at all at all points in, in the day and night um it's pretty good for that You can also um, mark them as urgent, which is quite nice. I think a lot of people, when they think about online counselling, they kind of think, oh, you know, it's like a bit distanced. Like, you're not completely, like, fully in touch with your counsellor. But um, I think, you know, with it being online, you're more in touch with them and you can mark messages as urgent if you want, like, a a quicker response. So, they are... Sponsoring this podcast now, which is cool, which means we have a discount link. Um, You get 10% off if you go to betterhelp.com forward slash. Let's talk about sex, Jamie. There's a link in the bio. And yeah, love you. Bye. Hey, Lydia. Hi, Jamie. Let's talk about this one time. Mm. Uh, I On this time, I had sex with five girls, right? Mm. Which is... Every man's dream,
3: right? Yeah, and a lot of women's dream.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, And it wasn't that great. It wasn't that great, and I kind of wanted to talk about it. So, um, uh, this was... So, one of the girls was my girlfriend at the time. We were in an open relationship. And um, we had a lot of, like, threesomes and foursomes and stuff. Um, But we were just like, let's see how far we can push it. This will be fun. (laughs) Um, So, we had... Yeah, we we up. we found five people that wanted to be involved. Five girls and it was they were all her friends and we got like a Airbnb and all went there and um it was weird uh, mm-hmm. it was really like for one the living room it was one of those flats that's like where the living room is massive and all the bedrooms are tiny like okay. box things. so we hung out in the living room and decided this is where it was, it's going to happen and then we all sat in chairs because it was so big we are all really far away <laughs>
3: <laughs> it's not a great start
1: there was no real like chemistry
3: yeah
1: um, and we're just talking and talking and drinking and talking and it went on for hours <laughs> like, yeah. which is fine I like, yeah. of, I like a bit of preamble before and I get a bit nervous and stuff, so it's fine um uh-huh. But uh, it went on for ages and it got to the point where I think, I literally think someone genuinely said, we should probably start now, <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> which is a great oh, way to no. start. Oh
3: <laughs> no, you need closeness to flirt.
1: Yeah, right? exactly, right? Okay. Yeah, just a bit of flirt. Hmm. Even just like a game or something, something super lame. Play Twister. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Next time I'll bring Twister.
3: Oh, Twister's great. That leads yeah. to sex quickly. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, in hindsight, I should have done that. <laughs> um, so it started, I can't remember how it started. Um, it just it just started happening, um, and they're all they were all very by as far as I know. So it wasn't like suddenly there was five girls and I had to like juggle. They all went off in couples, and there was I was in a couple, and then all all stop and stuff. It was great. Everyone's kissing. It's great. It's amazing. I was like, "Yes, this is it. I've made it. I've, I'm the ultimate alpha male. This is exactly <laughs> yeah. what I've always wanted." Um, Tick,
3: you can die happy now.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. In my mind, I'm just like take mental pictures because when you're on your deathbed, this is what you remember. <laughs>
3: yeah, absolutely.
1: Um, and yeah, um, and then it got to a point where I actually, so I actually started having sex with my girlfriend, and all the other girls stopped playing with each other and just watched us. Okay. And I'm not fully into that. Like, I okay, don't mind being watched in that scenario, but i like, I'm not a big... Is it voyeur? Voyeur likes being watched, right?
3: Likes being like? the watcher, I think. Oh, really? Voyeur... Voyeur... <laughs> voyeur- <maybe. laughs> Voyeurism, I think, is the general okay, thing.
1: Of being you know. watched, or whatever. Yeah. Anyway. Central attention. Yeah, I'm not big on that. Mm. Uh, mostly because I'm just... I'm a bit fat nowadays, so I don't, I don't want people to, to be watching me. <laughs> yeah. But, um... Yeah, anyway, so that was, oh, that was weird, and it was kind of like, why don't you guys fuck over there? Yeah. Like, just do stuff, don't just watch me, it's weird. <laughs> um, and then it was fine, you know, stuff happened, everyone's, everyone's everywhere. Um, and then, I, there was a mattress in the middle of the room that we'd pulled in, um, and I was having sex with one girl on there, and all the other girls sat on the chairs around the mattress, mm. and just kind of watched. Okay. It's okay, that's weird, uh, but fine. I don't think they were touching themselves, which, has, which makes it weirder for me. <laughs>
3: yeah.
1: And then the girl on the mattress came and she rolled away, like moved away. And then someone else came and did that. We did the same thing. Ah. And you can see where this is going. Basically, yeah. one at a time, they were kind of queuing.
3: Okay. And I
1: hated it. <laughs> I absolutely hated it. Yeah. I felt like a dick machine. Like Literally, I was, yeah. I was not dildo. like, yeah, it didn't feel like anybody wanted to fuck me. It felt like they were fucking me. That makes sense.
3: Yeah, I know exactly. They were just going
1: through it and, like, it was just like a carousel. Mm. And it was when it came back to the, the original one and she got down again that I was like, no, 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 no this is. <laughs> <laughs> we need to stop
3: this. <laughs> Of the queuing system. Yeah, less
0: yeah.
1: British about it. Yeah, exactly.
3: Fight each other off and make <laughs> yeah. you feel
1: a bit more. That's wanted. hot. Yeah. That would be really hot if they were, like arguing over who gets to fuck me next. That's cool. That would have been fine. That would been yeah. great. Yeah, I don't mind. not mind that. It was. It was <laughs> the silent. Like we're not going to do anything while we're waiting. So yeah, we're just going to kind of odd. watch. Yeah, it was very weird.
3: Because I, you can get gangbangs like that when men line up and just mm. fuck the one girl.
1: Yeah. Guinness World Record attempts. I've seen a few of those. Have
3: you? Yeah. I know people that have gone to those. I just don't get it. But, mm. I mean, each to their own. Yeah. But I can it's, see why that dynamic is a bit
1: jarring. Yeah. Or
3: just not sexy. I don't know.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I feel a bit weird about it because I feel like if you told any guy you're going to go into that room and there's going to be a line of girls and we'll fuck you one at a time they'd yeah. be like yes but when I was in it I was like this is rubbish yeah like, that's all I felt used
3: yeah and I can't imagine like the chemistry was great in that
1: not really. really not really no um yeah I only really clicked with like one of them and my girlfriend like that yeah. was that was great they were really cool and like uh, it was it was fun, like just hanging out with them in general. The rest of them were kind of some of them. It felt like they didn't even like me <laughs> as well. Great.
3: <laughs> right. So that makes you yeah, think. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah, yeah, and that
1: makes you think. Oh, I'm just I'm just the penis that was here.
3: Yeah. Um, and the sex is for the sake of it. Yeah. Just because. Just
1: because. Yeah. Hmm. Um, yeah. So I don't know. That was just a bit of an awkward story I wanted to tell. Thank yeah. you. Thank that you for listening.
3: <laughs> I mean, because yesterday was the first time since I was a teenager, I had sex with two straight men in the room. Mm. And granted, there was another girl there. Mm. But I'd always avoided it because what I like about group sex is when everyone's in it together mm. and you're all in that moment and you're all having sex yeah. with each other. And I always felt like if I ever had um, a threesome with just me and two guys again, it'd be very much like... And they were straight. Mm. Two by guys, I'm down with it. Yeah. Um, but it would be very much like... Me and them, them on me, Mm. and them not, like, it just seems weird, I don't know, I just like it when everyone's in it together, and I think that makes it a nicer experience.
1: Yeah, I think two straight guys is an interesting one, because I'm, I'm very straight not happy about it i wish i was bi i'd give anything to be bi it'd be so much <laughs> every, fun
3: every straight girl on the scene says that <laughs> yeah it'd be yeah. so
1: much fun if i was bi but i'm not but yeah the idea of me like with another straight guy having sex with one girl just feels mm. real weird because yeah. I'd, I'd have to like what we do in porn when we watch porn is we block out the guy we don't see the guy we just see a okay. girl um so i'd have to do that and i'd have to block out someone else in the room like yeah it's, yeah. it's odd yeah two bi guys would be your dream surely
3: that's my fantasy my top fantasy and I'm working towards it at the moment okay
1: good good
3: Um, i have to get
1: you back on when you achieve it yeah absolutely Uh.
3: okay Uh, I have this thing um, that I like when I'm with another woman and a guy and if a guy two guys did it it'd be heaven Mm. so I like when someone tastes me on someone else
1: oh okay yeah
3: so if two guys were sucking each Ah. other off tasting of me heaven That's That's
1: really, yeah, I can see why that would be pretty hot. I can't wait. Yeah. Yeah. Good
3: luck. Good luck. Yeah. But two straight guys. Nah.
1: Nah.
3: I just, the atmosphere is different. If, um, there's just something really nice when you're all in it together, I think. And that's what I like about having sex with couples, actually, is that when you join a proper couple rather than just threesomes you've orchestrated with random people. Yeah. Because I've done both. Um, when you join a couple there's the intimacy really stays in the room mm. so I feel like whenever I'm with a couple I'm sharing that with them and it usually gets really comfortable and really good straight away because you join in with their flow and they've yeah. been sleeping together for months or years or whatever yeah. so they've got really good chemistry there's emotion and feeling in the room because mm. they love each other and their sex is already good and it never, to me, feels like the first time.
1: Right, You know, okay. like,
3: first-time sex? Yeah,
1: it's always a bit awkward and, like, yeah.
3: You're working each other out. Yeah. You might not be into the same things, but yeah. when you join a couple and you go with their flow, it always feels like it's not the first time.
1: Yeah. And um, That's interesting.
3: Yeah, it's just really nice. And as a single person, uh, who's been single a very long time, <laughs> uh, it's really nice to be part of a sexual experience that's full of, like, feeling and passion and love and Mm. i feel like couples actually really open that up to you Mm. as well as it's just like an interesting fly on the wall situation Mm. you learn so much about couples it's unreal
2: really
3: because they're so people are just kind of relaxed and comfortable during sex and they're having sex with their partner and you're just there and you can really see what couples are like really happy and their mm. relationship's really working, and I've only had one couple where I was like, "Oh, you guys? I'm not sure about you."
1: Oh no! What happened?
3: Um, I, they just—I didn't get it. They just didn't okay. click together. They Did didn't they? seem very happy together. They weren't very suited. I just didn't see why they were with each other, really.
1: Yeah.
3: Um, but otherwise, you're joining like the most intimate moment of a couple. Yeah in a way that no one ever experiences them apart mm. from you and I think it's really lovely. I really yeah. like it.
1: You've made you've somehow made frisons romantic.
3: Oh, they're so romantic.
1: How do you managed that? <laughs> I don't
3: know. <laughs> but it is it's nice. It's yeah, uh, yeah having sex with a proper couple is very different experience.
1: It's mm. really interesting. It's
3: a much nicer experience, I think. Mm. If they're in a comfortable place that they're, they're happy. It's a good threesome. place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If it was their first time trying? It might not be as fun, but when they're really practiced, they know they definitely like it. They know they're comfortable with it. It's just, it's a nice way to kind of, yeah, learn about humans. Mm. Interesting.
1: It's like new David Attenborough. Yeah. Maybe David Attenborough has some (laughs) free Yeah,
3: Yeah. I think he should. He probably has. (laughs) He's
1: definitely. (laughs) Yeah. He was at Glastonbury. all right that's all we have time for today thank you so much for listening it really really means a lot to me that you have got your way to come and listen to me talk to people about their sex stories <laughs> um if you like what we're doing go check us a follow on let's talk about sex jamie on instagram uh tell your friends about us leave a review on itunes all that stuff that people with podcasts say at the end basically um yeah it really means a lot that you listen and hope to see you next week love you bye